In this episode of A Man's Journey, we meet Mike Danson. I met Mike Danson back in October of 2021. My wife had just asked for a trial separation, and he was the first face that I was introduced to when I joined the uncivilized um, movement, man uncivilized. And he was in charge or one of the, the people in charge of the initiation. And I remember just listening to him in the first call and how inspirational he was. And I said, this guy, this man has to be prior military. Uh, at the time I was uh, in the Navy uh, for 12 years and I knew that I was going to uh, get out. I, I made the decision that I was going to consciously choose my family and myself and I was going to get out of the military. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, can I sit down with you? Can I get on a phone call and just and just open up? And this is where I learned a little bit about his story. Most of, the, most of that talking was about everything that I was going through at the time. But he shared his time in the in the Marine Corps and why he chose to get out. And so I think that it's important the the underlying lesson of this or the takeaway of this podcast is about brotherhood and connection and how important that is to us as men and our development in the men's work arena. I've mentioned this many times on this podcast and other social media platforms that we as men like to want to be the lone wolf. The time of the lone wolf is no longer here it is now surrounding yourself with like-minded men men that are going to support you men that are going to push you men are going to tell you how it is not what you want to hear and so i thoroughly enjoy this conversation with mike as we dive into his his uh, story from marine corps to getting out the uh, roller coaster that he experienced and ultimately finding his passion with leading the next generation of men through a program that's going to be coming out soon in the uh, Man Uncivilized program, uh, 18 program. Uh, hey, so I'm on with Mike Danson. I met Mike Danson through the Uncivilized Nation. He was actually the first interaction that I had uh, post-trial separation with my wife. He was kind of my mentor through that time. And uh, I really loved his story. And I was just telling him before we jumped on here that I never really asked him why he got out of the Navy or the Marines. I say Navy because I'm in the Navy, but uh, we're going to we're going to go back a long time. We all know first that the Navy is the main branch and the Marines work for the Navy. <laughs> How's that? Starting off strong. Starting <laughs> off strong. All right. I love it. Now, uh, you know, we a brotherhood here. So, I, you know, I, I was stationed on board a amphibious ship. And I, I served with Marines for majority of my career. So I have a deep respect for Marines and, and what they do for our for our nation and, and for the Navy and everything like that. So, Mike, first, let's introduce you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Um, and then we're, I want to jump into uh, your time in the Marine Corps. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to be here. Uh as far as who I am, quick and dirty, is I am a Marine veteran turned personal development life coach turned youth coach, uh, working for Man Uncivilized, uh, originally from Michigan, Detroit area, and have been down here in Florida the last 10 years to connect with some brothers and to, you know, enjoy paradise before I retire. I, um, 
when I when I first met you, I was like, man, I love the beard. You know, like just everything about you was vibrant. And if for those that can't see because they're listening, we're uh, I'm gonna post this on YouTube, and you can check out his beautiful beard as well. But um, when I first met you, I I remember I was like, this dude has to be in the military. And then you then you said it, and I was like, it makes sense. It makes sense. Can you tell me, take me back to your time in the Marine Corps, why you joined the Marines, your experience in the Marine Corps, and, and then let's dive into to the good, juicy details. All right, absolutely. So actually, it's a, a two-prong for why I joined. So I joined in 05. Uh, I was a buddy of mine, was in 04, signed up and left before he even got his diploma. Like They actually gave him his diploma in the mail because he had signed up so quickly. He oh, wow. went to uh, Ramadi with the Marines. And so he did, he did Ramadi and he reached out. I was talking to him and he was like, bro, you got like, he goes, if we, if we time this right, you'll be my boot. And I was like, fuck yeah, like I'm in. And uh, it didn't work out that way. Uh, <laughs> long story short. So it was one to, I always had like some sort of desire for the military and the Marines were where I was going to go no matter what. And then I also had the, what I don't tell a lot of people is I had the desire to, I was very suicidal back then. And so I made a rule that I wouldn't kill myself because I had a two grand, two grandmothers and a mother that I couldn't bear the world with, like have someone tell them. So instead I was like, well, I have this simple solution. I'll die a hero. No one will talk shit about a, a man who, you know, goes off and dies more. And then I don't have to worry about crushing my mom's heart in that way. So it was a two prong. Everyone else got that. I want to serve my country. I want to do this. I want to be a badass. I want to prove myself. And then on the back end, it was like, yeah, and I don't expect to come home. And so it was a very uh, dichotomy, I guess is the best way to go with it. It's been like that ever since. So I, I first want to say, well, you're here and I'm glad you're here. Um, and then the second piece is, so with, with that, in mind right we talked you're you're kind of the second piece of suicidal thoughts and that's why you wanted to join the marine corps how did that drive your time in the marine corps so you joined where did you go did you go right to to iraq that was in the height of the iraq war afghanistan um did you go straight there what what did that look like for for you so for me it was i knew exactly where i was going the minute i got it like they were like poof because i joined as a, a infantry machine gunner so i joined as infantry got the job as machine gunner and, uh, you know, I just, I, I thought the F-16 wasn't happy enough. Why, you know, why do you need knees? Uh, so I joined, I got the uh, machine gunner uh, MOS. I was 0331. I, I got to my unit and they were like, hey, fantastic. The boys have been home for like a month and some change. Like you're part of their warm up, and we're going right back to Iraq. And I think it was like January in uh, uh Oh, because I ended up getting in, in around 06 after all that was like boot and all that stuff. So they're like, all right, fantastic. Beginning of 07, we're going to Iraq. And then I went again in 08. Uh, same thing. We actually, we, uh, I was part of 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines. And we were actually, at that time, we had the highest tempo in all of the Marine Corps. The 6th Marines as general. So like one six two six three six, we were all seven and seven, and they were talking about trying to do seven fourteens. They our rotations were all seven and seven. So it was, I saw the guys that I left seat right seat with, and like switched out, which means like switch out places with. 
yeah. as we were leaving, there was guys coming off of the C-130 to like, so we could switch places. And our uh, senior leadership was like, see those guys? You're going to be those guys in this many months. So before I had even left country, I knew when I was coming back. It was oh, like, hey, wow. no pressure. You'll be right back. It's like, don't worry. Uh, you know, and and it, it that just hearing that, that kind of makes me realize that why suicidal, like suicide was so big in the Marine Corps during that time. Um, and just the, you know, like, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but just one thing that I realized about the military, and maybe you can agree or disagree, but like, because you have to give, 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 there's no real connection with yourself, right? So you don't really get to like, sit down and think like, hey, what am I feeling today? And then a lot of the upper leadership is like, hey, suck it up. This is what you got to do. And many, many men out there and women, but many men out there uh, ultimately take their lives because they're like, fuck this. I can't do this anymore. And this is the way out. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I would say one thing, though, uh, from my own experience, it was idle time that used to fuck us. Like that idle time would be more dangerous to us than anything else. So like we had more problems with guys being dark suicidal uh threats to themselves threats to others at in the barracks when we were going we were good and then our second uh deployment we had more access to like the internet and stuff and i saw a darker twist with being out connected to home because when you're there and you're just doing your thing and stuff there's a beauty to the simplicity of life oh yeah and then on uh, on the back i mean like you're gonna see some stuff that doesn't make sense and it alters your reality that being said, though, like, you know how to suppress that and like, okay, I just need to make it through and like do this, do that. And then like, we ha and you have your brothers so you're Yeah, I agree. You're not with yourself because realistically, you're like, it doesn't really matter what's going on with me. I need to make sure my brothers get home. So it's just like, make sure my brothers get home. Like, that's like, it's just repeated, repeated, like, look to your man, man's the left or the right of you. Those are the what you need to focus on. So you're like, okay, no problem. The problem comes when you're at home and you don't have to watch for your left and right and or they're not there. And you're like, well, who do I watch out for? And then also it's like, oh, that mean, if I watch out for myself, that means I got to go look at all those boxes of emotions I've been burying in the, in the corners of my mind. So like that's that was the kicker. And then coming back and being told like, hey, snap out of it. Like, what, what's the big deal? You were like this before. What's the big deal? Like, you were this guy before. Or, you know, you don't talk that way. You can't just correct someone. You can't just tell them exactly what's going on. Like, I wasn't allowed to talk to certain family members for a little while because people were like, look, you won't. You're going to be too honest. Like, you need to, you know, don't. <laughs> Yeah, they, they gained weight or whatever. It's like, no, you can't tell them that. <laughs> I think that's my my favorite attribute of the Marine Corps. You got it's like you're just you're blunt, right? You're yeah. you're hardcore and you're blunt. And I've always liked that uh, about the Marine Corps. It, tell me at what point you said you had the thoughts or or what how whatever whatever came to you on like, hey, this is not what I want to do. There's something more to me. I think I'm going to, not, I think I'm going to get out and I'm going to do something different. Like what, tell me, tell me when that happened and, and the situation. Well, it's kind of crazy. Cause there's a little bit of like, uh, external and internal. So like, I, yeah, there's only so long you could be treated like a child, like not allowed to have 
you're not allowed to have stuff in your room or have a, you know, have a 25 year old tell you your room is dusty once a week and you get punished for it. And yet at the next minute you're in charge of three or three to five guys. Like there's only so long you can handle that before you start losing your own mind. Uh, that being said though, uh, the universe kind of stepped in because it was one of those, um, 08 was the end supposedly. So 08 was kind of the end where, um, the president, uh, president Obama had just gotten elected. He was declaring, um, victory and he was, uh, troop downsizing as overall troop counts period in the nation. And so they weren't sure where they were going to send us as infantry. They weren't sure what was going on for our future. They were going to start really enforcing that 14 months. So seven and seven deployed, 14 non-deployed. And so they then, and they also were getting rid of all the bonuses. Now my senior Marines only a month or only a year prior were being offered $90,000 tax-free in country to re-enlist. And then when my, when my turn came up, they were offering me five grand. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, well, my body hurts for five grand. And at the time I was starting something with a girl back home. My mom missed me. My family missed me. And they weren't sure, like, they weren't sure that they were going to send us to war anymore. They were talking about sending us uh, to, like, do what you've seen. We're like, put a bunch of Marines on a boat. And I respect the Marines that go on boats. That being said, I went to war twice. Like, that was not my purpose. I didn't, uniform inspections were a nightmare because I couldn't even tell you where my uniform was. I was, <laughs> it, it came out once a year, you know, like, uh, so yeah, it was one of those, they were changing the Marine Corps for the first time in Marine Corps history. We had a commandant that had never served in the infantry. And so oh, wow. he said, he said, tattoos weren't part of our tradition. He said, um, he was requiring every Friday for us to wear alphas in the barracks and like create, like try to transition to the nineties peacetime Marine Corps, um, or something of that nature. And I was just like, I have no idea what you're doing. Like, this is 100% not what I came into. So I made the decision to leave and I had all these grand plans of starting over and creating a new world. So let me take you back to um, when we first talked on why you joined the military. And one of the reasons you talked about suicidal thoughts, right? How did that improve over your course uh, of your time in the Marine Corps and then reevaluating that when you got out? It's like, were you, were you better off? Were you worse off? Like, uh, how did your time there improve that thought? Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of one of those, like, it was one of the first times in truly in my life that I had purpose and brotherhood. And so although there was a, sh a lot a lot of dark thoughts and a lot of uh, a lot of time where like me and the bottle got real close and like real dark and um, went a lot of for externals. That being said, it really solidified that whole, I, I must be here for something. Um, and so like the something was to make sure my brothers stayed alive. And so that I just doubled down into that. Uh, so I'd say while I was in, I had a purpose. So like that whole repeating, like I had that rule of like, I will not commit suicide until both my grandmothers and my mother have passed. That became 
like second, like that became like on the back burner is like, I cannot risk stepping out. Like, I don't even want to say to doc that I don't like my arm hurts because I, if I'm not there and one of my brothers gets shot, that's on me. So like, you know, you just, you were there for your brothers. And then, yeah. so then as like on the way out, then it's like, shit, what do I do now without my brothers? So I would say like that actually hurt more than I was expecting was to come home and see nobody. And it was just like, like I had all my, I mean, I'm talking, I've got guys that I, I spent my whole life being friends with. I got pictures of me holding me as a baby because my friend's older than me. And I was like, I mean, I guess it's cool hanging out with you guys and all, but man, I could use a Marine or two around here. <laughs> the mindset's different, right? So different. And it's something to be said about being transformed and evolving by seeing things that don't make sense, like that alter your reality. Um, learning to respect running water, learning to respect culture learning to respect uh, sacrifice of self for others, the importance of others, uh, and then coming home to the world we live in, which is very self-centered and very, um, with for no fault of its own. It's just very designed that you're a lone wolf or you're an individual. Everybody's an individual. It's like, not in the Marines. You're like the least individual of anything. Yeah. I, I want to ask, I want to highlight that transition piece. I mean, I'm in the middle of it. I, I can tell you, I got out June 6 was my last uh, day in the Navy. And uh, I'm still still figuring it out, right? I'm still, there's a lot of up and down emotions. And I'm and I, and I know that, you know, ride the highs and just embrace the lows and just, you know, love yourself and compassion, your time, right, that transition period from Marine Corps to civilian life. Um, take me through that. And um, kind of, lead me down the path of when you decided like what you wanted to do uh when you grow up <laughs> well i've had like to make this a lot quicker i've had like 12 or more what i'm going to do when i grow up to the point where the, it's a family joke that people ask like oh what's mike up to now he's like my dad would just pull out like a notepad like uh this time it's <laughs> this so that being said there's been a lot of variety uh, as far as getting out, so I did the, so I was on my way out. Um, I, I did, I did what they do is like a, a, an abbreviated version of the disability claims, as long as you have 45 days in. And so I was able to rush through like my disability claim work, which is amazing. Cause at that time, that was when we were notorious for the time of like, you just won't you won't get your disability for like six years or something like that. Like it was the chaos time for sure. And uh, so that being said, I was able to get that paperwork started while I was already in. The downside is, is I had a conversation with a doctor that I never, I wouldn't wish on anybody. He wasn't allowed to treat me. He was just going through all my stuff and giving me all the x-rays. He's like, so he goes through all this stuff. He goes, so you have the body of like a 53 year old man. And I'm like, well, I'm, 25 so that's really unfortunate and he's like uh he goes basically if you want to eat if you enjoy eating and dressing yourself you need to stay active like what and he goes yeah wow. you'll seize up and you won't be able to do anything he goes you don't have cartilage you don't have um 
because most of your cartilage and all your joints is gone. I already seen arthritis. I'm already seeing this, this, this. And he just went down the list. And I'm like, just stop. Don't tell me, man. Like, I'm done. Like, don't, I don't want to know. And so that set me on my way. Uh, in lieu of that VA stuff, they sent me to a counselor, just some family readiness counselor and said, okay, take this quiz. And I'm like, okay. He's like, he's reading me questions. Like, when you're driving, have you ever thought of going off the rail? And I was like, yeah, who the fuck? I mean, who doesn't? Like, they're like, it's a big turn. And you're just like, nah, not today. And just wee off the side, right? Apparently, that's not the answer they were looking for. So, like, he's going through and they're like, you know, have you ever had suicidal thoughts? I'm like, okay, first off, who hasn't had a suicidal thought? And he's just like, I was like, oh, oh, you have, oh, okay. And so he's just writing. So I got voluntold into a uh, mandatory PTSD uh, class. It was a like a two week intensive kind of thing. And I was the only one there without a case manager, without a like a like a pillbox and like a therapist and all that stuff. Like needless to say, the um, I think she was a colonel. I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure how your the Navy's ranks off the top of my head anymore so she oh, was basically like a colonel okay yeah so she was basically a, yeah she was a colonel she was in charge of all mental health for the base and she was running this program and she's like how has no one ever saw you how did you slip through every crack and i was like because docs took care of our post-deployment surveys like Doc knew that he wasn't allowed to go on leave until he got those done. And we knew that Doc would be very upset with us if he couldn't go on leave with us. So like it was done as fast as possible. Like, are you broken? Fuck no. All right, cool. Go. <laughs> like, as you're limping in and limping out, like, you're like that's, are you that's good? Navy, yeah, that's, Navy good. Cor- that's Navy Corman for you. <laughs> yeah. Drink water, change your socks, face outboard. Got it. Uh... You know, so it was one of those like that. You know, I just you don't say anything because to say we were we were told that if you said something, you would be removed from duty. Again, removed from duty means your brothers don't have someone watching their back, so you don't say anything. Uh, So that transition led me to like all these people all of a sudden like hovering around me, being like, "Hey, you're not okay." I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not okay. Sure. Okay. What are we doing about this? Uh, and they started giving me uh, drugs. It's, you know, it's the military. They'll just give you a pill for it. So they started giving me drugs. That was crazy. Um, the starting zombie meds, that's what I call it. It's like, as this starting zombie meds, all of a sudden it was like the roller coaster just became like a flat line. So nothing was awesome. And also, nothing was also really terrible. I was like, this is a really weird feeling. Like, this is how you guys, this is what normal feels like. Like, okay. I mean, so it was like kind of like tone depth a little bit to it. I got out of the Marines. I didn't have the VA set up yet. I ran out. I went through the withdrawals of taking zombie meds. And I, I can't speak for everyone. I will just say this. There's not a chance in this universe I will ever take a med that has a withdrawal symptoms like that. I had to have my friends take my guns from me. I had to have friends 
keep an eye on them. I had to withhold, withdraw myself from everyone. It was like, it was very intense. The, so I can, they were like, oh, cool. Like once I got that set up, they're like, oh, cool. Would you like to take these meds again? I was like, not on your life. So uh, since then, it's been uh, the old fashioned way of like, instead of calming the, the roller coaster, I just learned to ride it good or bad. And uh, that's what I did. That was my transition out. The transition out was I left for the girl, I left for the mom, and I left for the, the exciting life. I found out the party ends when you stay home. So when you're not just visiting, the party ends. Uh, the girl and I did not make it. And uh, of course, mom's still there. And so it's like, it was definitely one of those like, and the meds and the, and the withdrawal thing. Um, needless to say, coming out of the military was uh, intense to say the least. Yeah, no, I, I've heard this from many uh, transitioning military members and I, I, I didn't experience it to that level. Uh, a few years back, I, I was uh, prescribed Zoloft. Don't, I, I'm not sure if that was what you were on, right? But I was prescribed Zoloft, which is a anti-depression medication. And I took it a few times and I had like extreme suicidal thoughts. And I was a zombie. I was like out of my body. I was, uh, and I, and my wife, she didn't know I was taking it at the time. Right. I kept it to myself because I, I didn't, I felt ashamed. Right. And so like many men, and I'm sure, you, you know, you've seen this more than I have. And when I started to have those suicidal thoughts, um, I was like, just walking, like I wasn't in my body. Right. And my wife, we were at a, a Navy exchange. Um, and she said, what's going on with you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm okay. <laughs> She's like, no, what's going on with you? Like, you're, you're not yourself. And uh, that night I, I dumped all the pills down the toilet um, because I kept having these, these extreme thoughts. Um, and so like going from that, so I want to, I want to talk about your, your transition from the medication and just learning how to go with the roller coaster. What have you done instead to help you roll, go with the roller coaster? Like, has there been, you know, like for me, what I realized was like cold immersion therapies helped me a lot um, my, and changing up my fitness. Like I, I wasn't as, uh, I wasn't active then. So fitness, eating, sleeping, trying to sleep at least I don't sleep much, but you know, who, yeah. who counts? I will put a caveat on this. So what I definitely want to say, I love the fact that you started this process of finding healthy alternatives as you got out to the point of like this transition you've filled your arsenal with tools and options that you can use to make this a lot easier for you. And that ability to share that with other guys that are in this point is tremendous. I did not do that. So this is where I am now. What I use now is after 10 years of riding that roller coaster with the coping mechanisms of external validation and heavy uses of alcohol and cocaine. So for me, it was, I got out, I got off the meds. I just party. I just drank, 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 drank. Up north, there really wasn't anything. We just sat at a beat. We sat at bars. They brought us a bucket. The bucket went away. We got another bucket. I gained 60 plus pounds, if not more. Um, going from lean and mean in the Marines to like just round and around and useless uh so like i joined 
I, I found a purpose again. I kind of bounced from purpose to purpose. I found paramedic school that was super challenging and it was filled with a bunch of either like former service and all active firefighters. So very gung-ho, this is how we're going to do it, da, 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 like not going through the motion school. Like you will train every single day. This is how we're going to do it. Every day was like 10. Our classes were 10 hour days. I, oh, wow. I went into that like a fish out of, like a fish into water. Like I, it was, oh man, I excelled in that once I found that. Um, fast forward, uh, my buddy, my, my roommate from the Marine Corps calls me up and goes, hey man, um, this is months after we got out, about six months after we got out, I got out. He's like, hey man, just woke up from a coma, just want, you know, getting, getting my bearings again, you want to hang out? And I was like, I mean, yes, I definitely want to hang out, but can we go back to the first set, the first sentence? Uh, he had had a, uh, he had, him and a, another buddy of ours had uh, an accident in the mountains of North Carolina, and it was, he was on the ropes for a little bit there. And so like uh, coming out of it, the guy from North Carolina had moved down to Florida here and like they were living together or like living and going to school. And it turns out they were going to school to be paramedics too. Oh, so, wow. you know, small world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I immediately started coming down to visit for long weekends. And then next thing I know, people are like, yo, why don't you live here? Because I would come down, I would live my absolute best life. And then I'd go back up and like, I'm in Michigan again. And so, uh, fast forward, I switched schools, moved down. And like I said, I just kept repeating that process of just riding the wave, like follow the dopamine basically. Um, I was in paramedic school, had a horrible call that looked like my future. Um, an older vet was uh, suffering alone in his apartment and no one knew he was there because um, he didn't have any connections, any family, anything like that that would check on him. Um, so quit uh, after that. I was done. But I didn't, ever, didn't go past that point of paramedic and then jumped around from job to job. It was at went to school to be a barber, uh, with, you know, worked at sales jobs, worked at the bars. The bars has been an interesting thing. I worked almost nine years in Florida in the bars because, I mean, you might as well work where you're at all the time anyway. So, yeah. you know, it, it helped It helped some great connections and some great skills. That being said, it just continued the conditioning of, like, in a good mood, drink. In a bad mood, drink more. Like, you'll get there one way or the other. So now the school, the, t the tools and stuff that I use and how I was able to hit, talk with you and relate, it took those 10 years of just actually, yeah. So even more than that now, it took all of those years of doing things that short-term gain, like short-term numbed, long-term destroyed to realize like, that's not, I, I can't go forward. I never planned to make it this to 30, let alone to 35 now. So the fact that like, at 30, it kind of hit me like, hey, you need to figure something else out. Yeah, that's a lot. And and I just want to say thank you for opening up on that. Um, with mm -hmm. that 10 years um, that you were kind, you know, kind of going with the roller coaster and things of that nature, at the end of it, when, you know, jumping from job to job to job, when did you find man uncivilized when did you start to feel like hey you know what maybe i'm starting to align with my purpose a little bit more and uh, take me down that path with your time with man uncivilized and 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 what you're building hmm. all right well 
So actually it started more, um, more traditional of, uh, I, I realized that the, the bar world was not going to be for me forever. I didn't enjoy it uh, as far as working and all that stuff. So I went back to what I knew as a kid and I, I was a welder in high school. And so I actually was, I could have had a union job right out of high school. I chose the Marines instead. Cause it's like, you could always go back to the welding. And so I did, I actually finally told, I finally agreed with my younger self and I went back to welding. Um, I finished, I went to school for it. Thanks to the VA take it, helped me out with that. And I got in the union. And so then I had the job. I, uh, then COVID happened. So October of, yeah. So October of 2019, I finally stopped working in the bars full time, started working welding jobs, day jobs, that kind of thing. And then the universe decided it was going to help me out. And I feel I, I have empathy for everyone that COVID messed with. That being said, COVID literally saved my life. So, you know, like the disease itself, not, not so much just the culture shift of taking all the vices away. So I, I started a job that was full-time with overtime and had a purpose and we were building something. And then all of a sudden every Thing that I would normally self-sabotage with, which is like going out to dinner, going with friends, going out to drinks, those drinks turn into shots and the shots turn into like 6 a.m. calling off work in, in the past. All of a sudden, all the bars were gone. All of a sudden, all the restaurants were gone. All of a sudden, going to see my friends working, none of them had jobs. So it was like, I just, I stayed in my little bubble with my union guys and we just worked. And... So like the one time where I was the most vulnerable of changing my pattern, everything was removed from me. And in lieu of that, that gave me a year to actually like realize one, how much money I was spending on alcohol and food and garbage food, like all this, this, this life. And so like that changed everything, which allowed me to buy a house from there. I had the job, I had the house and yet still couldn't hold the relationship so that's when it started that's when it turned into okay okay so i'm broken let's fix this because everyone's told me i have ptsd you watch a tv show and you know the vet is always like that twingy guy with the green jacket on waiting to shoot everybody so it's like okay like obviously i'm broken let's figure this out um i finally agreed to go to ptsd therapy through the va and at the same time, I uh, looked, I found Mark Groves uh, teaching relationship stuff because I was like, obviously, I suck at relationships. So uh, he's like, yeah, you don't suck. You just don't know what you don't know you're doing. No one ever taught you communication. No one taught you to love yourself. So how if you don't know how to love yourself, how can you accept love? And so started learning from him and then fell down the rabbit hole of like amazing after one amazing after another podcasts and men's coaches and men's groups of like the samurai brotherhood um rising um rising man the uh connor eaton's mastermind back then and all that stuff like listening to all like listening to the creators from start to finish through their podcasts and just hearing the kind of guys they were and each one of them had one thing in common they all brought traver on and I'll like each one has their own part. And that's why I love so much about men's work is it's, it's first, it's there's someone out there that will connect to you, guaranteed. 
And each guy had something that appealed to me. They just that not not that whole fuck yes moment until I heard Traver and he was just like, "Hey, I'm 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 blue collar," and or, you know what I mean. Like it was very like he was like, "Yeah, emotions are weird, and yet they are now my superpower." And I was like, "Huh." So it was very easy to relate to someone who's both been violent and peaceful. That you know, I can at one time run a business, and the next time like will throw his phone in anger because it's not doing what he wants. You know what I mean? Having that relatability to him created like an opening. So I, then I joined Man Uncivilized and I took, oh man, it was exactly what I was looking for. Um, I, I used to compete for those who don't know. There's a guy who's amazing in the nation who comments on everything. And he's really active. His name's Bob Z. I used to try and compete when I first came in to be faster than Bob Z or comment as often <laughs> as Bob Z. I love Bob. Yeah. So I, I made a lot of friends that way uh, just by just trying to be on there because I was so incredibly amazed that like personal development worked. It was like finding out that I had a whole nother part of me that I never had acted, that I didn't even know I'd been suppressing for so long. Yeah, that's what I love about this work, especially with everybody, all the men's um, coaches and, and um, speakers out there. It's it's all the same message, pretty much. It's just delivered in a different way. And and like you said, Traver, he 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 just resonated with me, too. Like I was I was first on Sacred Sons listening to their podcast and stuff. And then Traver came on. And I was like, dude that's that's where i need to go and and as soon as i you know like you as soon as i um i signed up and everything like that i i just it stuck um so with that right you, you found traver and and his movement and and you believed in it and uh bob z was was your uh maybe he didn't know this but he was your competitive drive right of of being that involvement i'm being funny here but um yeah at what point did you say, hey, you know what, I want to be in this organization and I want to make a difference. I want to I want to make that change. So I basically thought about that almost immediately. Like, I just want to I, I wanted this to be my life. Um, it for the first time in my life, because now I had done the union, I had been in the Marines, I had been on teams, I'd have been in bar families which if you don't know bar families trauma bond in ways that's like hard to describe outside of the military or like uh, i'm assuming i've never done but i'm assuming like like a, a, you know a freak like a gang would do or something like that like you know there's something serious like you go through some hard stuff together you definitely come out stronger although the coping mechanisms and all the other choices were rough this one was for the first time ever it was that same bond where like you knew you could trust these guys. I was talking to guys like every day. And like I knew I could trust these guys with anything. And when I was like I I unloaded or I had a, uh, a like a problem, it wasn't, oh bro, just go drink it off. Like, oh here, come we'll do some lines. Or oh hey, like, you know, just you know, oh that sucks that relationship ended. Well, let's get some girls and you know, let's figure this out. And it's like so for the first time ever, it was like, well, have you tried sensory deprivation? Have you tried breath work? Have you tried plant medicine? Have you tried this? Like, you know, have you just sat down with a journal and wrote what you feel? And um, it was one of those that came at a perfect time of, I was doing the PTSD therapy at the same time, which was extremely uh, excruciating and, but, and useful. And so then between that yoga, 
and the men's work, it was like, okay, I, this is it. Like I'm, this is what brings me joy. Like I, I want, I'd rather do this every single day for free than continue to work jobs that just pay the bills. And I reached out because I still need to pay the bills. I reached out to the nation and I was like, guys, like, can I be Traver's secretary or assistant or answer phones or I don't know, man, something. And they were like, well, no, um, we do actually have, you know, at that time there was some amazing guys doing that already. And they were like, all right, well, however, Nate could use some help um, with the initiation. I'm brand new still too. I, I, you know, I felt like it. And so it was just like, they're like, yeah, you just got to hold space. Like, that's really what's going on here. And that saying yes to that without even thinking, like not questioning or nothing. I was just like, yes. Like we didn't even need to told you what the job is. Like, don't care. Yes. <laughs> uh, that led to this friendship that I have now. With that's like, the Marine Nate. Corps mindset. <laughs> it's better to make the wrong decision at a hundred miles an hour than to hesitate and not make a decision. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just giving you a hard time, man. That yeah. it, It's good, though, that you said yes, because it, it, look how it's evolved. You know, like, and I see that from a third, like, I see this from an outsider and just how much influence that I consistently see. Um, and I say value, right? Because when, when I'm in there, you provide so much value to men that are in need, just like myself, right? Um, but go ahead and continue. I didn't mean to make a, a, a light joke in a, fun, in a, in a serious moment. No, no, you were absolutely right. I mean, actually part of work, this inner work is realizing that something that works great for combat isn't actually like before, before we started recording, we actually talked about that. I've been forced to slow down by myself and by the universe multiple times um, lately to the point where I was even in a, uh, a veteran program and they were like, have you ever heard the term less is more? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> keeps coming up a lot lately. Uh, I just actually got injured. We were talking about that. I just got injured physically not too long ago. Um, and it was like the first, everyone was like, are you okay? And my first thought was, damn, I'm going to have to stop my two a days. <laughs> two to one to two hours of yoga and then running every morning and going to the gym. And they're like, that that's what you're concerned about right now like, yeah shucks you know so um yeah it's definitely been a uh it was great to just say yes it's great to like have that mentality of like if it feels good don't even allow the brain involved like if the instincts line up go and then there is something to be said of like meeting an amazing man like dewey who said i could really help this is paraphrasing he said i could help a lot more if i learned the ground and so learning to slow down, learning to ground and learning to take that breath and know where my feet are, know where that little ball of energy inside me is and like actually pushing that into the, into the ground, being stable and just being able to hold that container. It's sure amassing knowledge and amassing experience. And yet that means absolutely nothing when you give advice to those who don't want to hear it. So there's something much more unique and much more needed right now in this world is to just be like, look, man, I know a shit ton. And I've actually, I, I, I felt a lot in this world. That just means my reserves are deeper so I can hear you better. It's not so I can tell you what your next step is. It means I can hear you better. Tell me, right? Cause many, many men, and I'm a firm believer of this, like a lot of men are like the lone wolf mindset. Tell me how your life has changed 
since you've joined a group of men that are like-minded, that are pushing you to be the best version of yourself, that are holding you accountable, that are that are making you face the shit that you never wanted to face before? Uh, well, I mean, I can honestly say one thing about that. Uh, Memorial Day last year, so not so 2021, I ran, I knew used to normally do three miles. I did six miles that day because I was, something didn't feel right. Something was boiling over. Um, I just couldn't get it out. And I did some yoga that day, a class. And while I was on that mat, I finally figured out that I still held survivor's guilt. Um, some of the amazing men that didn't come home with me. And then I had promised myself to die a hero. I promised 17 year old me that I would die a hero. I wouldn't make it to 30. All of that just all came rushing through that weekend. And I forgave myself. I forgave myself for having survivor's guilt. I actually, for the first time since I can remember, and so I mean like 13 up, I have a re- I have reasons to live. I no longer keep that rule for suicidal thoughts. Of, I can't do. I can't commit suicide till these three people have passed. It's now that's not an option. So for the first time in my life that I can remember. I have reasons to live, not reasons not to die. And so that I attribute to my hard work and more importantly, to the support of the men in my life who allowed me that opportunity to dive in that deep, knowing that I have that circle, knowing the guys that helped me push to try the new things, join the groups, do the masterminds, do the courses, hold me accountable. So if I didn't have this brotherhood and I didn't have this trust and this feeling of connection. I cannot say 100%. I'm willing to bet if I'm a betting man, I'm willing to bet I would not be where I am today. The old story would still hold you. That's powerful, man. And and I, once again, I thank you for you know what you're doing in the nation because there are men out there that that need that right and and the space that you hold and just to listen to your journey and how it you have uh, grown with other men in your life right um makes me want to ask you more about why you chose to start a program in the the uh, nation or man uncivilized for those that are not familiar with the term uh, a teen program to talk to me about the teen program that you are working on that you're that you're you're growing um it's it's exciting time i'm sure yeah, that's my baby, man. I'm so excited about it. Uh, so my purpose, so circling back to like talking with Traver and stuff like that, his big thing is what are you building? What's your purpose? Playing around with that and being called and really challenged, like, hey, what's your purpose? And before I could overthink it, before I could destroy it, I was like, I want to work with the uh, teens. Um, and that's actually evolved through my whole life. I've been a I volunteer, I actively walk forward, and um, I actively have been putting myself in positions to volunteer and be there for those who are younger. Um, My mentality is I felt super isolated. Even though I was surrounded by people, I felt super isolated as as a child, as a teenager and stuff. The thought of telling those who loved me and those who were around me what I was actually feeling and getting the negative rebuff from that or being even more isolated or shunned for those feelings, it wasn't worth the gamble. 
So I made my own plans to escape or do this or do that. So the idea of being someone who could be there for that version of me now, there's no greater quest. So my purpose now is to create, uh, create a path for boys to become brothers so that they can together change the world of men. So instead of waiting for, uh, I make this joke a lot. So instead of waiting for your third DUI, second divorce and being like, oh, shucks, maybe it's me. Uh, I, I want to go after the, the 13 to 18 year olds and say, guys, I'm not going to give you religion. I'm not going to give you this. I'm not, no, I'm going to hold space and let you flush out your moral code. And while you're doing this, you're doing this with brothers. This is not a one-on-one -on -one thing. So there's going to be other teens on there. So you find out very quickly that although your story has very specific and it hits home directly to you, you are feeling something that the other boys are. And we're going to talk about what that is, how that feels. So you can put words to it, language to it, label it, and know that you're not alone with those feelings. And I've been saying it on Instagram like crazy, and it's weird to hear it parroted back to me. It's that you are not alone and you are loved. And so that reminder that you can bring me anything. Let's go deep. I have been in those ditches. I know that hole. And I know the way out. So, and I know the way out that works for me. So I'll help you find the one that works for you. So that's that opportunity to go back and help those younger men and say, look, this is what I needed. So this is what I will do. You know, that's crazy um, that you say that, like it, you explain it in depth uh, in the sense of like, I, I was witnessing a few months back, you know, like this, this teenager just by himself on the, at the park. Um, obviously those that, that know I'm a traveling RV full-time family, right? So I'm not in one spot at one time. Um, and I didn't, I didn't listen. Like I didn't get the guy, the guy's name. I didn't ask questions, but I just listened to him talk. And he just kept saying that he's lonely and that he didn't feel like, and he was telling, I, I'm assuming another friend, right? Because they were just talking and he's like, Hey, why are you down? Like, what, what's going on? Like, you're just swinging by yourself. You, you look pissed off. Like, why are you down? And I'm, I'm just sitting here acting like I'm pushing my, you know, I'm pushing my kids acting like I'm not listening. And he says, I just don't feel like I have anybody to talk to. And it hit me. And then I went back to my own childhood. And I'm like, fuck, you know? And, and so like, just hearing that, I think about what type of change that, that this program is going to make in the world. And that, you know, like I talk with Robert Wonderlick often, you know, when I was in the initiation a, a couple months back, we talked about how do we initiate young men into um, or boys into young men, right? There's no like initiation process. So I think I, I really believe in what you're building here. For those that are cu curious, there's I'm in a campground and it's like really loud. So I, I know, Mike, I saw you look back like, what's what's that here? Like, what's that that hearing? But for those that, um, you know, this rings a bell, you have a teenager, you have a young boy, like I encourage you to reach out to Mike, I encourage you to ask how you can be that that better parent, that better space holder, that whatever whatever you're looking for, reach out to Mike, right? And that goes into my next question. Is this something that's coming um, soon? Like, what, what is the timeline that we're looking? Uh, and I don't want to rush you. If there's no if there's no timeline, I'm just asking, what's that timeline? Uh, actually, like for you? so we had we had a timeline. Um, 
And so we're actually adjusting it to allow for more time because we want to be like able to like actually be really present or they ask questions and all that stuff. It started to feel a little rushed. So um, we are now, uh, we have a now a new timeline. We are going to start promoting that and being a lot more um, forthcoming with details. Uh, close like at the end, towards the end of August. So it's like towards the end of August, you're going to start seeing a lot more information, a lot more um, about it. And this is also going to allow for the opportunity to put up some stuff and actually allow for question and answer calls um, with parents and stuff. Because again, one of the big things is the parents have to trust me or at least be willing to take the risk to because with that risk, they're allowing their the, these young men to create brotherhood. If nothing else, if, if they don't take anything else from the opportunity, these, these young men will get an opportunity to circle up, voice what they feel, voice their own stories, help to, to decide their own moral code, and share that amongst peers without judgment and then know that as they move forward, they might never do yoga. They might never meditate. Or they might at 20 pick it up because they remember some guy might talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, either way is totally okay with me. It's the fact that at 20, when they do pick up that thing, if they ever do, they can tell those same young men that they met all of those years before. Guys, I finally tried yoga. Mike was right. It, 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 it is kind of cool. And then they're like, Oh damn! Because they will have that connection still, and it's knowing that they're going to go the rest of their lives and they will not be alone. And I think that's that's key because, like, you know, teenagers don't really have the tools, and they're not given those type of tools. Let me say, not given. Majority are not given those type of tools. There are there are some teenagers that I've met that are that have all these tools and are doing these things. But I think that that is necessary, right? And then ultimately having that mentor, you know, like I, I grew up in an area where there was like the, the big brother program, right? So like having that that mentor to be able to call when they're at home and maybe they got in an argument with their dad or they got in an argument with their sister or, or maybe a best friend or whatever the case may be, but saying, hey, Mike, um, this is what I'm feeling. Can you just, just hear me out? Like, I, I don't feel like I can voice my my opinion the right way or articulate what i'm feeling and then just having that yeah and they'll even have so they have that and they'll also have their brothers in that scenario so in there it's like it's like oh man like this is and it's not oh i have to go talk to an adult about this it's like guys i just fought with my dad because he's not respecting me on this 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 and they're like and the brothers would be like cool like so where did you overstep call him forward be like hey so how did you did you react? Did you respond? Did you take a breath? Did you see his perspective? You're going to have a, another teenager get to practice what he's been hearing, practice what he's been preaching, and then hear it back to him, know that someone else is struggling with the same thing. So when the next time when he fights with his dad, it's like, okay, well, what was that advice I gave Mark? What was that advice I gave Greg? What, you know, Jason, you know, whatever. Um, like, what was that advice I just gave him? Oh, that's right. Like, dad's getting fired up. Well, was did dad have a long day at work? Am I trying to push an issue that I could just talk to him about? Am I fighting him right now? Like, why am I fighting? Oh. Hey, 
there's something I really want to talk to you guys about. Um, this doesn't seem like the right time. Can we set up a next time tomorrow? Imagine what a team of what the parents are gonna do if the teenager just goes. Some this is not we're not we're not we're not seeing eye to eye right now. So um, how about we can we talk about this tomorrow? You know, just complete de-escalation. Because he learned it by talking, like knowing that his brothers are gonna hold have his back and say, Yeah, you know, hell yeah, way to de-escalate and all that stuff. Building that emotional intelligence at a young age. Yeah. Tell me, take me all the way back, right? I'm I'm gonna ask you a question that I just generalize on on all all the podcasts. If you could look, take yourself back as as 35 year old Mike, right? And you're and you can give advice to either 17 or 18 year old Mike or just anybody that's in this position right now. If you could give advice to anyone, what would it be? In in that scenario. Mm. Advice to seven. Well, listening to Dewey Freeman and Mark Sylvester talking about it all the time. Like, would you even listen to yourself? Um, so, advice to back then me is just to keep putting a seed in the back of his head that the pain's worth it. Um, and so then, if I was to now tell that to uh, just you know to these to to these uh, young men that I'm going to be talking to now, is let them know that these trials, these pain, these moments. They are, they all turn into gifts. If you allow them to not define you. And if you allow them, if you allow yourself to be able to move past them. So you can control the spiral. And these, in, in their world right now, there's a lot that they can't control. So absorb, learn, listen and prepare yourself for the moment that you do get to have that driving wheel and you get to have that ceremony. You are adults, you know? You get to use that information instead of it being one of those things that I you're behind the eight ball because of all the things that happen to you. That, that landed well for me, and I truly appreciate that. Lastly, my last question give you give you the floor i'm going to give you the floor here two to three minutes um you can rap about anything and then just close with how people can connect with you uh, and get a hold of you okay well if i got two to three minutes i'm starting with gratitude um i appreciate you i appreciate this opportunity and this platform to speak to i know you talked to a lot of vets and i know you talked to a lot of parents so i really appreciate the opportunity um this is not about me the, everything from the course to my goal to my purpose is to create such a place that the boys change the world. And that being said, although I am currently the lightning rod at seeing it through, it's not a program that requires me to be there every step of the way for them. I'm, we're going to be incorporating other opportunities for their mentors, um, re-doubling down on in-person and, you know, this is all future, future dreams in-person work and doubling down on creating more and more a larger brotherhood for teens. And the understanding is these are your brothers and the world will change by knowing that you're not alone. And so as you make every decision, you'll make a decision not only for what helps you in the short term, 
what provides towards that purpose, that future, as you figure it out, because you'll have someone having your back. So the idea is you will go this, you will walk this path, you will walk life knowing that you are not alone and you are there. Now, as far as where to find me, um, I was challenged a while back and now I've just kept doing it. I'm on Instagram, uh, Mike's Perspectives. And it's basically a pun on words for Mike's Perspective. Uh, and then I also am in the nation, I'm very active in the nation. So any nation members that hear this, by all means, uh, it's Mike at Man Uncivilized. If you have questions, Mike at manuncivilized.com. If you have questions and concerns, if you're a parent and you want to shoot through this, um, I love, and if you're even just as a, um, a man or a woman that hears this and is like, man, how did you change your life in that way? I am not your coach. I know some amazing people who could, you know, guide you. I'm not a guru, although I will 100% share what worked for me. In this world, the best thing I can do is share you what I've seen, what I've experienced, and then let you run with it. So I have a lot of tools and a lot of books that I've gone through and a lot of great men and women that I've met through this path. And I'd be happy to introduce you. So just the connection part is the key part. Once again, Mike, I, I really appreciate your time today and, and thank you for jumping on. I, I love, you were my one of my favorite test cases. Don't tell everybody else. I love watching from like, bro, my, my life's going the military is kicking me out. Me and the wife aren't doing good. The kids are going nuts. The business is going this way. And I'm like, all right, so like, is it, you know, do you need like an asteroid to hit the car or like a house? To catch the car? <laughs> what do you look like? What's left, bro? And you're like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, like you know, the universe is like, hey, hey. And you're like, oh. And then you brought, you, you went from there to switching your leaders, like bringing your leadership, bringing what makes you you so amazingly which is your honesty and your leadership and your just joy of life and turned it towards your family where it, you know, where it needed it most and towards your own life, not just the military. And since then have revolutionized your life. So I'm, I'm oh man, I love watching you grow. I love how much it's changed and I love seeing where it's going. I appreciate that. My wife and I, we were on a, a walk. We're in Colorado, you know this, but the people that haven't, that haven't been following us close, uh, we're in Boulder, Colorado right now. We're on a hike yesterday and my wife looks at me and she says, this is crazy. You, you were making 90,000 a year, right? You had all this security and you get out. You're not, you're not making much. You're, you know, we're, we're just going by it. And I love you even more. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I'm like, well, you know, I guess that's a good thing. Cause usually like the women run when you don't, <laughs> when you're not making yeah. the money. Well, and you know what? And that's the thing. You were literally, even in that little tidbit right there, you're destroying a paradigm. Guys are like, oh man, I have to make X amount of money in order to find love, in order to be qualified for love. And you're like, actually, you just have to show up. Absolutely. Like, You got to show up and let the money work itself out by you putting the effort into it, by choosing first what's your priorities and then working you know working the other way around instead of like oh gotta get the gotta get the house gotta get the job and being all alone so yeah. man i love it and i'm glad it's working for you i truly appreciate it brother and and uh 
I know that we'll probably jump on and again and and talk about a different topic because I know this what we were just talking about we could talk about masculine leadership we could talk about a lot of things oh. so um it I could be I, a mini series man I'm for it <laughs> let's do it love you brother talk to you soon.